Good morning, Drinking Mommies. I'm Whitney, founder of the group Drinking Mommies, and we are going to be doing our show topic this month on sexual assault, how to speak with your children about sexual assault, and what to do if you are in the situation as a parent where your child has been either sexually assaulted or sexually abused. Joining me for the show today is Drinking Mommy Kate calling in from Massachusetts. Hey, everybody. And we also have Drinking Mommy Amber calling in from Alabama. Hi. For the per first part of our show today, we're going to be talking about statistics as well as the backstory for sexual assault. As many of you know, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. While we're in the beginning of May, this is a great topic to talk about any time of the year because it is honestly something that unfortunately comes up a lot in society today and it's... <laughs> it's a situation where as a parent, it is your worst nightmare if you ever have to encounter it. But that being said, it's still worth discussing. For a lot of viewers out there, we have a one in four chance as a mom having experienced sexual assault or sexual abuse at some point in our lifetimes. That is a really, really high number of people. And while we don't ever want our children to go through the same thing that we did, it's an unfortunate reality in the state of the world today. According to the Rape, Abuse, Incest, and National Network, aka RAIN, in 2016, one in nine girls below the age of 18 will experience sexual assault in her lifetime. The number Can you just go over that again real quick? One in nine? under the age of 18. Okay. That is an incredibly high number. That's disgusting. It is. Okay. For boys, that number is one in 53. If you are a female between the age of 16 and 19, you are four times more likely to be sexually assaulted than any other demographic in the general population four times more likely if you are a female between the ages of 16 and 19 years old. So for those teen moms out there, that's our girls. And I know, Kate, you are a girl mom. Huh, yes, I have two girls and one is 12. She will be 13 at the end of this year. And I am not um, excited about the potential dangers that her life is going to um, her life could be facing just being a female in that age. It's horrible. It's horrible that we even have to talk about this. And what gets even worse is according to the statistics from CPS, 93% of the predators who sexually assault, whether it be a boy or a girl, 93% knew the victim. 59% of those were acquaintances. 34% of those were family members. 34? 34% were family members. And only 7%, I kid you not, ladies, only 7% were strangers. Do they differentiate in those statistics between... Um, uh, males and females being the predators? Yeah. In a 2013 study by CPS, of 
1,000 of those perpetrators were male and 5,000 were female. And that's 2013. It's pretty disturbing, you know, because you get a lot of people who have a false sense of security thinking, oh, just because it's a female, my child is safe. But that's not always the case. I mean, granted, the numbers statistically are higher for males, but females are also perpetrators as well. And we've seen that recently in some of these high school cases with high school teachers, unfortunately, in underage males, which is another point that we will definitely discuss a little bit later in the podcast. Now, as I talked about before with the rain, RAIN is an incredible nonprofit organization that has helped over 3 million sexual assault victims to date. They help to train individuals to answer the sexual assault hotline, which is accessible 24 hours a day. The number, and we'll share this again within the details of the podcast itself, is 800-656-HOPE. Once again, that number is 800-656-HOPE. If you call the hotline, it's going to be 100% confidential. And everyone, like I said, has been trained by the nonprofit organization, RAIN, to talk about options with you as well as resources that can help you out, which once again, we will discuss a little bit further into the podcast. Now, as a parent, if your child has been sexually assaulted or sexually abused. It is every parent's worst nightmare. And unfortunately for a lot of us parents out there, we are victims ourselves or survivors, depending on how you want to look at it. Survivors. Now, we are survivors. I like that. I like to use the word survivor. Unfortunately for me, I've had two different instances in my life where I am a survivor. As we talked about before, most of the perpetrators are individuals who are known to the family. When I was actually younger than my son is now, I was only five years old when I was sexually assaulted by my grandmother's boyfriend. And it was pretty bad. When you are a five-year-old, you don't fully understand what is going on. Your body is very new. It's not necessarily a conversation that you have with your parents at that point in life because your body hasn't gone through the typical changes. You know, I hadn't started my menstrual cycle yet. Um, it was hard for me to even comprehend simple things like why the hell my goldfish died, you know? So when I was first sexually abused by my grandmother's boyfriend. And she was an adoptive, um, my dad was adopted and it was her boyfriend, so it was an adoptive um, grandmother. I remember the incident quite well. And I remember being paralyzed, like not being able to move, not being able to talk because my brain couldn't comprehend exactly what was happening to me. Yeah, your body went into freeze mode instead of fight or flight. It was fight, flight, freeze, and you froze. And at five years old, that is completely legitimate. That is That should be expected. Exactly. They used to have a camper that was in the back of their truck. And they had actually come down to our home 
um, we had a small farm in a town called Adna and they came down to visit. And I remember being super excited because I wanted to sleep in the camper. My parents didn't have a camper. They didn't have an RV or anything like that. So I wanted to join them. And the first time I was sexually molested was sharing a bed with my adoptive grandmother. I was sleeping between her and her boyfriend. And that's the first time he touched me inappropriately was right next to her. And I remember very clearly I could not move. I did not say anything because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And she had no idea either. Not at first. Later on in life, um, the abuse went on for a little bit. We ended up going back up to our hometown in Washington. So we moved from Adna and the same individual used to give me alcohol, uh, call it schnapples. And looking back now, what it was was to make me a lot more susceptible. And he used to have me read a book or he used to read a book to me rather. And so I would sit in his lap and he would touch me inappropriately having given me these so-called schnapples, AKA alcohol, while he would sexually abuse me while my adoptive grandmother would go walking with her neighbor next door. And it was a while that this happened. And when I eventually did find my words to talk about how this was happening to me, I told my parents and my parents were very responsive in stepping in. And it was amazing to me because in Washington state, which is where I grew up at the time, Washington state was really shitty. Pardon my French, but it's true. It was incredibly shitty when it came to protecting the rights of children who were sexually abused in the Washington state courts at the time a child could not testify against their accuser without, uh, against the, the person they're accusing without that individual being in court. And the parents of the child could not be present within the court at the time the child had to testify. So I would have had to sit on the bench, give my testimony in front of the man who sexually abused me for years without my parents being present in the courtroom. So to save me from that, my parents were faced with a really shitty choice that I don't envy any parent from having to choose, which is do you put your child through that or do you spare them from that? And so my first case of sexual abuse, my sexual predator walked free. That motherfucker is dead today, ladies. He did die of cancer, I am happy to say, and I do not feel guilty about saying that, but he still lived. And that is one thing as a parent, I keep in the back of my mind, having gone through that as a child. I couldn't even imagine that at five years old, you went through something like that. I mean, how do you at five years old find any words to tell anybody at any point in time that this happened to you until years and years later when you fully understand the situation? Like I grew up knowing, you know, nobody touches my private parts and I have private parts and I have private parts in my chest and on my bum and okay. between my legs is, and nobody's going to touch me there. And if anybody does to always tell my parents and I don't know if that, that did not happen to me at that young of an age. And if anything had, um, 
happened to me. I don't know if I would have had the words to say anything, even though my parents were very, um, well, and there very may vocal be some about kids, telling them. Yeah. There's some, there's going to be some kids too, that think that they're going to get in trouble. Right. Exactly. They tell their parents, especially if it's a family member or somebody mm-hmm. they know, a close friend of the family, a family member, whatever yeah. it is, the, the mom's know. boyfriend or the, the new stepdad or the next door neighbor that they've been living next to for 20 years, mm-hmm. the grandfather, the uncle, the brother, the cousin, it doesn't matter. It's regardless of who it is it's going to be tough. And that, that child will probably feel like they're going to be in trouble for saying something and ruining the other person's life, not fully comprehending that that person ruined their own life and Mm -hmm. ruined the victim's life as well. And that's a really good point to bring up because when it came to my step-grandmother, she was in absolute complete denial that the man that she grew to love was sexually molesting her own granddaughter. And she didn't want to believe it. My parents brought me to counseling and this woman was so completely detached from reality that she tried to show up to my counselor and convince my counselor with receipts proving that she loved me, like receipts from when she took me to McDonald's to get me a Happy Meal or when she would buy me a toy at the store to show that she was a good grandmother. But It has nothing to do with what he was doing. Exactly. But she was in denial, and you get that a lot when you have perpetrators. When you have perpetrators that are within the family, denial is a huge tool. And it was horrible because she didn't believe me. And so it did create a rift in the family. And it's a very real point to bring up that if it does happen, like we said before, 34% of the predators are family members, 34%. And not in every case does the family necessarily want to believe. And in my case, that was not it. My family was divided when it came to that. And it happened. That's really sad because, I mean, how can you even make any of that up at that age? Exactly. But sometimes being blissfully ignorant is a lot easier than wanting to acknowledge the truth. Exactly. And unfortunately, um, you know, later on, later on in life, you know, you fast forward through the years, my, my first predator, like I said, nothing happened to him. He didn't, he didn't go to jail. Now the motherfucker's dead. And like I said, I don't feel bad about it. Um, karma eventually bit him in the ass, but it did take some time. You know, my sexual um, abuse uh, reoccurred again in a very abusive relationship when I was 17 years old with an older man um, who was actually an infantry NCO in the U.S. Army, and I was raped. And when I tried to report said rape, it was horrible because one of his friends was a law enforcement officer with Bellevue PD in Washington State, and they knew each other on a first name basis. And so you get that other incident where you try, you know, you're older and you can, you can speak for yourself because you know something is wrong and you try to report it 
And sometimes you get situations like I did where you feel like nothing can be done. And I knew in that moment that reporting with that police officer was not going to do anything because he was friends with the man who had raped me. And it was during the time when all military personnel were considered these heroes who had nothing on them. Like they were untouchable. They were above everything. You know, 9-11 wasn't that far in the past at that point. The wars were still very fresh. And so when you're accusing someone of raping you and doing horrible things, and may happen to be a soldier, particularly an infantryman at that point, um, they're almost untouchable. And that, that's a terrible thing that can come with it, depending on who the perpetrator is, because the connections that they have made with other people can definitely affect the outcome of any sort of report, any sort of trial, um, any of that. Like it, it, it's not supposed to because of ethics, but it does. Mm-hmm. In these situations too, is I really don't think that a personal friend or a family member should be able to be a lawyer or anything for that person that's being charged. Because then it's going to show favoritism. uh, Yes. Um, that, That sort of favoritism, that whole possible nepotism thing like that it's because they know people in high places does not mean they can't do bad things exactly and and i don't think that they should be held to a lower standard than anybody else um i definitely feel that they should be held to the exact same standard and it should not impact the outcomes of anything or judgments of anything or um um uh emergency response reaction time to anything if if it becomes that type of a situation it's but unfortunately it does happen like that and that sucks yes it does um there was an instance in zach's family his grandfather was a police officer for many 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 years he had a cousin who actually lied about being sexually abused And he ended up in prison. And even after he got out, she admitted to the whole family that it was a lie. Um, I think those who lie about it should also be held accountable because the ones that actually are assaulted then are taken less serious because of those who cry wolf so much. And he ended up dying less than a year after he got out of prison and it ruined his whole life. And that happens too. Um, sexual assault and sexual abuse is a very complicated topic. We have individuals like myself. I never saw any justice for my two predators, though I do know individuals who have. I have also seen stories, um, and I've heard secondhand of people pretending that they were the victims of sexual assault or sexual abuse. And honestly, I'm not going to hold back in this. If you lie that you're a victim of sexual assault or sexual abuse, I do believe there's a special place in hell for you. It's a little section called vindictive bitches. Yes. 
And it's a little extra fiery. Yeah. It they takes just want attention. That's all that they want. Exactly. And it it ruins people's lives. It's some sort of fucked up club that people for some reason feel like they want to be a part of because it gets them attention and it's not something that you ever want to be a part of, nor would you wish even on your worst enemies, but it does happen. Absolutely. And that's, that is not to say that anybody who reports is going to be looked at as if they are lying. Anybody who reports should, and by us will be looked at as if they are telling the truth. If it comes out later that it is a complete and total lie. That's who we're talking about in this moment right now. We are not talking about the thousands and thousands of other women who, uh, well, men and women, I'm so sorry. So other men and women who have been sexually assaulted and have reported it, we're not talking about you guys. We are talking about the ones that, um, that are false reporting. Like the, the girl in get Alabama. mad at somebody and want them to get in trouble. Right. There was that girl at Auburn who maliciously, intentionally, falsely accused what it was those two uh, football players at Auburn, right? And then later they were able to prove that she had fabricated the lie, but it didn't matter because their football careers at the college had been destroyed at that point. And to my knowledge, I don't think Auburn ever brought those two boys back. And that's sad because they could have, you don't know what kind of career they could have had. Absolutely. Like that college, the, the college. Their names are out there, Google, and it's going to come up. Absolutely. Yep. The, it's going to follow them the rest of their lives. And it, it never goes away on the internet. No. Their grandkids, their great grandkids could Google their name and see that they were once accused of sexual assault, even though it became negative. Absolutely. It's. But those people who are actual perpetrators, they are yes. predators, they deserve that shadow to follow them. Yes. Everywhere they go for the rest of their life. Absolutely, they do. And I know that's one thing that <laughs> during these times, and I know the last couple podcasts, we briefly, we briefly touched on it, but Obviously, with the coronavirus going on right now, we have seen sexual predators being released early from prisons in certain states around the nation, and that brings up a lot with survivors. Um, it's, it's no secret that sexual predators, whether it be towards children, men, or women, do not serve sentences that fit the crime. A lot of them get very much slaps on the wrist, and it's ridiculous. It really <laughs> Brock Turner. <laughs> yeah, Brock Turner. Exactly. I don't give a shit that that guy was going to be some Olympian swimmer. The dude was a predator who raped a unconscious college female. And thank God those those foreign nationals. I I want to say they were from like Sweden or Norway came and helped her because that man deserved to get the book thrown at him. And it was 15 minutes of fun, like his dad tried to say in the letter. His boy is not these Auburn kids. These Auburn kids have lives that are ruined. Brock Turner, his life isn't ruined because he's such a good swimmer. Okay, well, these kids didn't actually do anything. You know how to swim too, but 
right? Like these, these other kids from Auburn <laughs> didn't actually do anything. They didn't actually commit a crime and their lives are, are ruined. Yeah. Whereas Brock Turner actually did and he barely got a slap on the wrist. No, right. that's not right at all. It isn't. It isn't, you know, in, in my case, like I said, one of my, one of my predators is dead. The other is not. And I'm pretty good about compartmentalizing my pain and the, and the things that I've been through. And there are moments where I sit there and I think about him and I think about the shit that he did. And you know what? Fucking Ken Entershare, if you ever fucking listen to this, fuck you, motherfucker, because you were my rapist. Name drop. Name drop. Oh, imagine that. But he got away with it. He did. He got away with it. And it's not right. And there are a lot of victims out there who their predators do get away with it, especially when it comes to families. Now, ladies, I know I'm not alone in this. So, Amber, you had a really, a really good story when it came to your experiences growing up. And it was terrible. It was terrible what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't good what happened, but it's a good story because it's incredibly relatable when you have a lot of young high school age girls out there who are starting to drink and go to parties as well as college age girls. So if you could please tell our listeners your personal experience, I know it will be incredibly helpful. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I have a 13-year-old niece and she's getting to that age. I've talked to her so much. Um, I mean, I kind of helped raise her growing up, so she feels like my own. And, you know, I've shared my experience with her because I know that there's going to come a day where she's going to go off to college and she's going to meet new people. And some of them are going to be great. Some may be her best friend for the rest of her lives. I've got one from from college that I have been friends with that we realized I think 14 years now. Um, well, we had, we were in her town um, in Michigan and we went over to her friend's house for brothers and they had invited some other people over. There were boys, girls, you know, and everything. Everybody was playing games or talking or just hanging out and stuff. And so um, we get introduced to a few people and so a guy jumps up and offers to make me and my friend Robin a drink. And I look at her because I'm like, I'm one of those that I'm not good at just taking stuff for free. <laughs> just because I was never social until college. <laughs> and I was a, I literally, I, I mean, I'm just going to say, I was a virgin until college too, because I lived a very sheltered life. I didn't know a whole lot about anything. And um, I got my drink and all of a sudden it's like, I only have one cup like a solo cup, a red solo cup of a drink. And I felt completely wasted. At the time, I didn't know that's what it was called. I was completely wasted. And it was in the middle of winter. I end up, we're outside and I fall and I get my pants soaking wet from the wet slushy snow. And so she goes, <laughs> she, she goes and takes my pants and puts them in the dryer for me. And I was like, almost out of it. And so she lays me down in a bed and closed the door. I wake up with two men on top of me, two college kids, 
one at the bottom, one at the top. I can't, um, I cannot even imagine. That must have been terrifying. I would have been fucking terrified. The one Did at the top. Know these men? The one at the top was one of the brothers. He was mostly kissing me. Um, the one at the bottom was the one who made the drink. Um, the one at the top ended up leaving, and then the other one proceeded. Went all the way. I just grabbed my pants as soon as Rob Ben handed them to me, and I went and found the first person I could, and I just started dancing with them because I didn't know what else to do, and I never told anybody about it. I didn't even tell my friend Robin about it. It wasn't her fault. I don't blame her, and I'm not angry at her for it, um, but I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, and I've only told maybe two people this and my husband's one of them. So for, for victims and survivors, your brain has a way of trying to protect itself. And one of the mechanisms for protecting yourself is to try and and move on as if nothing happened. I know as a survivor myself, that's one thing that my brain tried to process. When, when I was raped, my first experience ever was a rape and I didn't, my brain couldn't process what had happened. And it it was, it was one of those things where where you sit there and, and you think to yourself that it's your fault. Like I, I personally felt like I wanted to, to blame myself. Like I had put myself in the situation and it was bullshit. You know, I see now it was not my fault, but young 17 year old Whitney, young 17 year old Whitney didn't understand that. Yeah. It is absolutely not your fault. None of that is anybody's fault other than the I was either 18 or 19 when it happened. And, and that's, and that's another, probably more 18. When, when we tell our stories later on, it's hard because people, people will criticize. And I chose to not talk about it because I didn't feel like people yelling at me. Why didn't you say anything? Well, I had no idea what to do. Never been in this situation before. And it's unfortunate (laughs) because I don't, like to use this word because I feel like it has, it's so overused, but there are individuals who are so privileged in this world to judge a survivor like that because they have never been a victim themselves. And you know what? Like I said, I would never wish this on anyone, but when your life has gone through where you've never been abused or used, or so scared in your life in that way that you can sit there and look at someone who has been through such a traumatic experience and being like, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you say more? That is privilege. That is honest to God privilege. And what happened to you wasn't right. And just because it took years to talk about it doesn't lessen that fact. It doesn't. Yeah. I know, I know, Kate, you have had your own experiences. 
which this is, this is saying something. I, you know, I want the listeners to know this. If we're talking one in four women have been sexually assaulted or sexually abused, we have three of us on here today and every single one of us has our own experiences. And I just want to point that out there. Thank you for pointing that out. And I would like to correct you real quick. Um, so although I was in a terrifying situation, um, it was not actually sexual assault. Um, and mine was uh, very recent, actually. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I started dating this guy that I knew from way back when and everything was all wonderful because we knew each other in high school and then we went our separate ways and then we ended up working for the same company and we got to know each other all over again several years later and it things just clicked we ended up living um about a half mile away from each other at the time um, that we had started dating so it was almost fairy tale like um and I ignored a part of my language, but I ignored a shit ton of red flags. Um, every day that he would come over to the house or I would go see him, he was always drinking. And it wasn't just one or two beers. It was an entire um, thing of fireball or Jack Daniels or something else. And then... Um, you know, a 12 pack to chase it all down with. So it's not even like it was just a couple of drinks here and there that I ignored. It was a lot and I was stupid. Um, I just really, you were not stupid. You just, you wanted to believe the better side of someone, but that's, I did. I did. And I think that's one of my biggest personality flaws is that it's, it's one of my biggest personality flaws while also being one of my strengths is that I always can see the better in people. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that does burn me. And in this instance, we had been together for several months. He um, was living with his grandmother and her house was um, had some plumbing issues um, and insurance was fixing it. So the insurance company put um, his family up um, at a hotel. So I had gone to go see him at a hotel or at the, at this hotel and was planning on spending the night over there. And it was going to be fun, whatever. We we're going to have a couple drinks, watch some movies, whatever there was, it was snowing outside. So we were probably going to get snowed in anyway. He was a couple drinks in and, um, he accused me of, um, sleeping with somebody else, which I did not do. Um, and I hold to that, but he accused me of sleeping with somebody else, um, got really pissed off and he physically abused me. He, um, put his hands on me. Um, he, um, shoved me into a wall. I had some bruises on my back for a few days. Um, but he ended up he didn't have any more alcohol in his room. His brother was staying in the next room over. So he went to his brother's room to grab more beer, dropped it back off in our room. And then he said, I'm going to go have a cigarette. 
and he went outside to his car and he was smoking a cigarette. In those five, 10 minutes that he was gone to smoke, I grabbed as much of my stuff from that hotel room as I could, ran out the opposite doors, mind you, snowstorm happening. So I'm trying to get from the front doors of the hotel to my car, which is parked over by the back doors, which is right next to his car where he was smoking. So I go outside and I was terrified. I had never been in that type of situation before. I go out, I get in my car, I end up climbing through the passenger side since he was parked on my driver's side and I didn't want him to be able to see me and stop me from getting in. And even though my house was a half mile away, I still went and got a hotel room for that night. And then he continued to stop. He had just gotten let go from work. He had just gotten fired. Um, And he continued to stalk me at work at the meeting um, the next day. And my regional manager had to step in and, um, and my senior store manager had to step in and she was driving me from, uh, they had me go out the back door instead of the front doors and that's not allowed. And then had to drive me all around to get back to my car. It was, it was an absolute mess and it was a terrifying situation, but Although that was not sexual assault, um, it was physical assault, and that could have easily led to sexual assault or vice versa. There's no telling what he would have done if you would have stayed and he kept getting more drunk. Absolutely. So you I'm, were you were somebody who were was able to escape. I, yes. It would have, it would have escalated. It absolutely would have. And I thank my lucky stars that I had that couple of minute window to run. Um, Because if I didn't, I I don't know what would have happened. So there are some situations that you don't have that window or during that window, your, your freeze response takes over and you don't know what to do. You can't leave. You physically cannot make yourself leave. And that's completely natural and that's okay, but you have to always be looking for that way out. So it never gets worse. The three of us have been in those scary situations that could have been a lot worse. It could, how many situations have we heard in the media about um, sexual assault victims having been murdered? Yeah. All the time. So the and three of us can be married to somebody like that too. Absolutely. And those are the difficult to get out of my, my ex, my first husband, and we got married in 2009. He, he drank it was similar to yours. And I never paid attention. I thought it was like, I found my one true love. And he just kept drinking more and more throughout marriage. He could down a 30 pack in an hour and he would just sit at his computer playing a stupid game and he would scream at me about sex. We were married. He was owed it. It was his to take and he was going to take it whether I wanted it or not. (laughs) He also thought that he was smarter than everybody else in this world and everybody else is just stupid and that he has literally said he would argue with God himself if he ever came down to this earth. And 
he got so drunk one night. He worked at Applebee's here in Alabama. I worked at Red Lobster. I always went over to Red Lobster after I got off because Applebee's was open later. He was off of work already. He, well, he had that day off. I went over there. I knew he was there. He had drank by the pool with some guys. He had bought a 30 pack of beer. I found the receipt. He also drank whatever liquor the guys were sharing at the pool and then ordered three Long Island iced teas at Applebee's and left the restaurant without paying. When I went over there, <laughs> Lovely. the wow. bartender, of course, you know, we were all friends. Everybody at Red Lobster and Applebee's knew each other. They're right next door. <laughs> so we know each of other. Of course, and you're all servers and bartenders. Yeah. It, so it, the money yeah. I made, I had to pay for his drinks. And I get home and you know that those videos you'll watch of people who are like that bulletproof, like you'll see them getting shot and they keep going. Absolutely. That's exactly yeah. how he was. His eyes weren't even looking at me. He grabbed me by my throat. He threw me on the bed. He tried to hit me. He was throwing me around. I called my mom and I had locked the bedroom door and then I went in the bathroom and locked the door and I was on the phone with my mom and she could hear him trying to break the door down and the frame was breaking and I had, I was so scared of having what I had to pay stuff at the apartment. I had to let him in. He oh somehow goodness. ended up going back into the spare bedroom and he laid down and I, that was my escape. So you did, you were able to get out of it that, at that moment? We, he wouldn't sign divorce papers for a year. But you were physically. But I did get out. And well, I ended up leaving and I just would like hop from, from friends' houses. Right. And um, I wasn't in a good place because I felt like it was my fault. So I started drinking. Here comes Kyler. <laughs> Luckily was not his. So um that was Tyler Tyler saved my life and he doesn't even know it yet. And and just so our listeners know, we're talking about her son. Yes, my son. Her son he saved is, her life. That's who she's talking about. <laughs> yes. And he is eight years old now. And um having him got me, I moved up to my sisters and I got away from everything and was able to start a new life and good. I met Zach. Yay. <laughs> so I mean, I was able to get out of it in that moment. You were able to get out of it in that moment. Whitney, there are situations you can get out of it. And, yeah. and if you're, if you're having trouble, um, getting out of a situation, send pretty much, pretty much every female knows this now, but there it's all over social media. Send any of us, um, messages on Facebook that ask, Oh, are you still selling that insert item here? Whatever, whatever random crap you can come up with, like the makeup. Okay. You sell jewelry. Yeah. See, are you still send a message? That? Are you still selling that jewelry? Yeah, I am. What were you looking for? And then just something random. Okay, give me your shipping address. And as soon as we get that shipping address, we can call the cops and have the cops there for you. Hell yeah. You're definitely not alone. And yeah, even if you are in a relationship with someone, 
it doesn't mean that you have to endure abuse. And it doesn't matter if the man that is doing this abusing is the father of your children because you don't want him to do that to your kid. Fuck no. Absolutely. Amen to that. And anything that you have to leave behind you, as long as you're not leaving your kids behind, because please do, do not, not do that. You, you take your children with you. If your children are in that situation with you, you take your children with you. You come fly to my house and I put you up in on my couches for a little while. You want to take the bedroom, my bedroom, that's fine. I'll sleep on the couches. You have a place to go. Leave everything else behind you. We can work on getting everything else for you all brand new again. Hell yeah. And you do not have to worry about how people are going to judge you because there are situations that are so crazy. They're so out there that you're going to feel like people are going to think that you deserved it. Like it's your fault. And I'm going to say with my situation, when I was raped, like I said, my first experience was a rape and I was in a really, really low point. And my rapist told me that no one else would want me, that I was damaged, that I was I was no good. And I actually ended up dating him for several months. I no shit dated my rapist for several months as a 17 year old. And he was a 32 year old fucking man. And I dated him for several months. And when I tried to leave him, he kidnapped me. He jumped into my car. I kid you not. I was working at Macy's in Bellevue at the time. And he jumped into my car when I was stopped at a stoplight and he held a weapon to me and he had taken my phone from me the night before, because when I tried to leave him, he took my phone and I had to flee and go to my dad's. And it was one of those situations where I was held against my will in the parking lot and the Bellevue police showed up. And like I said, his little buddy was there. And I knew it wasn't going to do any good. And for a while, I thought to myself, who's, who's going to understand? Who's going to understand that my rapist I ended up dating for a while because my head was so messed up because I honest to God believed this older man when he told me no one else would want me. And you know what? These situations happen, ladies. These situations happen. And you're not fucked up. It doesn't mean people aren't going to believe you. It doesn't mean that you're not worth it. You got to protect yourself. I got out of that, thank God. But I know that there's still women out there who are with their predators. But no one's going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. Kate's not going to judge you. Amber's not going to judge you. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Nope. Your life is different than mine. I cannot hold you to the same standard that I hold myself because I do not know where you come from, what you're going through. If you are in that situation, there's absolutely no judgment from me. Message to get out of it if you want, if you need to. I mean, we, we've given you the tools. When you pick up those tools and actually use them, that is up to you. I just hope it happens sooner rather than too late. And regardless of what time, whenever it happens, it's never going to be a negative situation. If you reach out to any of the three of us. Absolutely. And honestly, I think this is going to be a pretty good segue to get into whether you are the personal victim of sexual assault or sexual abuse. Like I said earlier, ladies, everyone's worst nightmare is having to deal with your child coming to you with abuse. 
having been a child who was abused and going to my parents, I still to this day do not know how it would feel for my parents. And I hope to God that myself and anyone who's listening never has to go through that experience. It's horrible. But as we talked about before, it does happen. If you are in a situation, first of all, there are a couple things that you can do to help talk with your child, to make it easier for them to get the tools in their toolbox, so to speak, to talk to you. One of them is going to be to talk with their children about their body parts. I know it's incredibly uncomfortable to talk with boys and girls about butts and penises and vaginas and boobs. You know, it, it's true. It's true. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that we necessarily want to talk about. Some parents aren't comfortable with saying penis and vagina to their kids, but it is important for them to know what it's called. Exactly. Yes. Because CPS, be if they come and say they touch my Lala or um, I had a babysitter who used to have me call it my monkey, they're mm-hmm. not gonna, that's, that's not something that CPS is going to take serious. Exactly. So, funny, funny nope. little, funny little side bit here. My children call their nipples chocolate chips. <laughs> and they know they're called nipples. They know a vagina. They know a butt. They know their butthole, they know a penis, they know, they know all of that, but they themselves, when they were younger, decided that their nipples were called chocolate chips because they liked, they, they looked like chocolate chips. <laughs> I don't know. It was just something. You shouldn't laugh. Horrible. That's pretty, that's pretty yeah, funny. I, I have a, a weird place to laugh, but it's funny. It really is. Cause kids, you know, when you're talking to them about this stuff, they're going to make jokes while you're trying to explain it. Absolutely. But in all seriousness that, you know, you need to know that the teacher, gym teacher shouldn't touch my vagina or. Absolutely. You know, I am so glad that you that up. Should not touch my penis. Because so, I've got boys, you know, right. my son, he used to be one of those that loved to run away at stores. And so my mom and I had to sit down and tell him there are people out there, men and women who would take him. He would love to touch him in his private areas and put things there. And he was more scared about them having a gun, but, you know, I make sure he knows that there's a possibility that there are men and women out there that might even drive by our house and try and take him from our yard. Yeah. I've had to have that same conversation with my kids playing just games online. Roblox is a kid's game online. Oh my gosh. And they... Yeah. My Minecraft daughter. has been having porn put into it on oh, YouTube. Yeah. Oh yeah. As well yeah, as so a my- version of Russian roulette as well. And Kyler all of a sudden loves Minecraft. So it's like, I'm like, uh-uh, mm-mm, not doing it. We ain't yep. going there. <laughs> my kids are not allowed to use YouTube because I cannot exactly monitor what they're seeing before they see it. So I they're not have- allowed to use it. And I've had to have the discussion with both of my children. Like, Hey, you cannot be talking to strangers online because these strangers might want to do X, Y, and Z to you. They mm-hmm. might want to touch you inappropriately. They might sell you their goal. They could try to take you away from me and yeah. sell you to somebody and I'll never get you back. Like I will fight and fight and fight, but I could never and get I you back. And I talked to my niece about that being 13, that- yep. 
you know, they might sweet talk you right now and tell you you're going to have this amazing lavish life. But as soon as you get over there, they're just going to rape you and and they need to know what that actually means and to, to yes, write. I showed her videos of stuff actually happening and my sister gave me permission only because she had an instance where some friends talked her into talking to these boys who ended up being some men from Iraq right and it was a scary situation not saying that every single man over there is a horrible, the rapist girl was a teenager but, just to know there's a lot of them and with what's going on right now between the u.s and iraq that's just not a smart thing to do because then those guys tried to get in touch with my meemaw because they can trace your ip address and she traced it to my meemaw facebook and tried to friend request her and so on and so forth so we know there wasn't any good happening there no you know so um now with the youtube thing my kids they have youtube kids on one tablet i have created their profiles i am have parental controls over it and i only watch videos that i have approved so there is no contact there um so i just i'm really care they don't ever go off by themselves and watch it they're always sitting next to me or sitting next to zach if they do watch it just so we can still also monitor closely but and that's definitely that's important yeah and to bring back a point earlier um when we're talking about talking to kids about their body parts to use the real words a lot of cps cases of abuse come from reports from teachers if your children don't know the proper terminology and your teachers happen to catch wind of that, because let's be real, a lot of, a lot of families are either single moms or single dads or dual working homes. A teacher's not going to know that someone is looking at their monkey or someone touched their hoo-ha. Like to, to give them the proper vocabulary can also help to arm the teachers to let you know when something is wrong. Another thing to talk about with your children is to let them know it's okay to say no. We live in a society where telling people no is for some reason rude and inappropriate, but you know what, it's also bullshit. It is absolute bullshit, no, no, yes. no, no. Right. <laughs> pisses me off. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm about I'm to go. I'm sorry. Off. I know we teach our kids to share and everything. There are certain instances where they're allowed to say no. Exactly. You don't have to share everything. Exactly. And to let them know that's okay, I think is one of the more important things that we can do as a parent. It is okay for your children to say no. We, we, we care so much about hurting people's feelings and not letting people feel excluded that it's easy. And I'm not trying to judge parents. It's easy to forget that teaching them no is also important. Absolutely. So um, we hate it when they learn that word, but teach true. them how to use it. Yep. So I'm going to insert a personal story here. Um, I have a 12 year old daughter. And she likes to um, talk to her friends on the phone. She likes to text them. She uses email and she uses like the, I don't what is it? Google meetup or I don't know what it is. The Google meets. Thank you. My eight-year-old just answered that one for me. Um, 
so they do like little video chats and stuff too. And, and they'll do like the, the text chats and stuff on Google and everything. So, and I monitor all of it. I'm looking at all of it anyway. So there's a boy that she knows and she, um, kind of has a little crush on him, which is fine. Um, girl, have your crush, like more power to you. Have your crush. No, know your boundaries. You're going to have a million crushes in your life. (laughs) So know your boundaries, set your boundaries and stick to your boundaries. Um, and I've kind of hammered that home to her the other day. She was talking to him and said, and he had said something about how he wanted to go to the movies and granted he wanted to go to the movies with, um, his mother, with me, with his little sister and with my daughter's little sister. So all of us were going to go. It was going to be a big thing. It wasn't like a regular, just those two date that they went on. So he wanted to go to the movies. And my daughter said, um, as friends, yes. And he said, why not more? Something along those lines. I'm not, not going word for word here. And she said, well, you have a girlfriend and I'm not ready. He said, yeah, well, she hasn't talked to me in four days. Okay. Four days. What the heck? Or whatever. You're 12 also. So whatever. Um, but she was like, well, I'm not ready. He said, what are you, what are you afraid of? She says, getting my heart broken. Okay, girl, girl, I feel you. That's completely fair. I feel you on that one. Having two divorces. Very mature for her age. (laughs) I could not feel her more on that one. So he said, well, you're never going to get over your fear if you don't try. And she said, I'm not ready. Again, she said, I'm not ready. And he said, well, um, you should think about it. So now he's pushing. She set her boundary and now he is pushing. And I think, I don't think that he was intentionally disrespectful about it. And I think that he just, was trying to convince her not realizing how set she was in saying no. And she said to him, she said, I said no, and no means no. And she stopped talking to him after that. She exited the chat. She did not video chat him. So let me tell you, I've been preaching to my girls. No means no. It's their body. It's what they want. It's what they are ready for. And they've been, they've been doing amazing with it. Madison, especially like she's the one that's starting to get interested in boys. My eight-year-old still thinks boys are yucky, which cool. Me too, girl. Me too. (laughs) My eight-year-old boy's already trying to kiss girls. He tried to chase a girl in the soccer field last year and he swore he was going to marry her. Oh my, see, there's, there is one boy, one had boy to really teach him. <laughs> there is one boy in the world that my eight-year-old does not think is gross and they're going to get married. They are going to get married <laughs> and they've already been on their first date to Ruby Tuesdays down in Alabama. <laughs> oh. It happens to be Whitney's son. Arranged marriages are okay, people. <laughs> oh, she's in the other room. And she goes, Mama, hush. <laughs> see, Tyler, when I asked him, okay, I wanted to see what his response is going to be. Why, are you, why do you want to marry Bella? I love her name. And she's the sweetest little girl. They were on the soccer team together. 
um, and they were in the same class last year. So I asked him and he said, because she's pretty and beautiful and smart and she gives me stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you can't just run around kissing people, honey. <laughs> but so here's, here's the, the thing that I, I really love about this line of conversation is with both Kate and Amber is with children talking with your kids about all sorts of topics means that you have an open dialogue letting them know that they can come to you for anything is one of the most important things that we can do as a parent it's also important to let them know to talk about secrets more often than not especially with really young children you will get predators especially older predators who will ask a child be like hey you can't tell your parents this because this needs to be our secret the likelihood of your child coming to you and telling you some dirty fucking person telling them that they need to keep some sort of secret is maintaining that open dialogue and letting them know that they can come to you, that they're not going to get in trouble for coming. Absolutely. To you. Oh yeah. That dialogue Absolutely. is so important. And I learned from mama's boy. He talks to me about everything. Well, and the thing with me is that I'm a single mom. I have, it's me and my two kids, but they each have, I have two ex-husbands and, and a child with each. So when I say, don't keep secrets from me, I also, and I tell them, you know, I, I, I ask them questions too. I say, you know, when they get back from someplace or, you know, I'll just check in with them every so often. Um, you know, how, how was this? And did you have fun? And, you know, is there anything you want to tell me? Did anybody touch you anywhere? Did anybody make you uncomfortable? I ask these questions and I'm direct about it with them because I need to know. But at the same time, when I'm saying to them, tell me what's going on or don't, if, if that does happen, don't keep it from me. Just tell me and we will handle it. And I'm here for you. You will not get in trouble for this. I also add in that their stepmothers and their fathers will also be there and do it for them. And they are not to keep it from any of us. They are not to keep it from me. They are not to keep it from their fathers and they are not to keep it from their stepmothers and whoever they feel the most comfortable talking to, they have three options. They each have three options and whoever they feel the most comfortable talking to about it, they can talk to. So just giving them those options of who to discuss it with. They might feel most comfortable with me because I'm their mother. Cool. If they feel more comfortable talking to their father because it was somebody that they know from here. <laughs> okay. Talk to your dad about it. If you like that, that's totally fine. So it's giving those options too. It's not just saying, Hey, talk to me. It's talk to me or talk to your dad or talk to your grandparents, like talk to somebody and it will yeah, get back on to the you same the page mother. together. Yeah, absolutely. It's that team effort. Mm -hmm. So when, with that being said, when you have your child coming after 
all of the, all of these trends, all of these conversations, all of these social pressures, maintaining that open dialogue, letting them know it's okay, giving them the tools in their toolbox to be able to describe what is going on with them by giving them the actual terminology. It's, it's super important. With that being said, we also have resources available. If the worst does come to pass, you do have options. And it's really important to utilize these options regardless if the predator is someone within your family, if it's an acquaintance or a complete stranger, it doesn't matter. There are options available to you and it's important for you to be empowered to be able to know how to access them and what they are. We talked about earlier in the segment, a organization called RAIN. That's H-A-I-N-N. And once again, we'll have that information available in the comment section. But RAIN has a really good section that is state law database. Every state within the United States has their own laws regarding sexual abuse and sexual assault, whether that is for adults or children. If you are curious to what those laws are, and I know it is incredibly daunting to find this stuff, RAIN has you covered. You just have to enter in your state or your zip code in their database, and they will pull up all the laws that are available to you. You also have the National Sexual Abuse Hotline that we mentioned before, the 800-656-HOPE, which is 800-656-4673 that is available 24-7. Ladies, it is incredibly important for you to know your rights. And sometimes those rights are also just reaching out to law enforcement. I know in my personal stories, it wasn't always successful for me to be able to get my story out there or to have the people who were the predators in my life come to justice. But that doesn't mean that going to law enforcement, regardless of who the predator is, is not what you should be doing documenting, having them take evidence. I mean, stuff has come so far today. For rape kits, for documents, stuff that you can do to protect you and your children, you need to do. And you know what? It might be reliving that traumatic experience. And I understand that you already went through that traumatic experience once and then having to report it and having to do a rape kit and then having to go through the court system with it if it if you need to those things um those things are like living that traumatic experience over and over and over again and that is so tough and you know what? I give it up to every single woman who's had to do all of that and go through all of that. That is, that takes some serious strength. It's just incredible when you can go through all of that over and over again, and it's going to leave you scarred. So my suggestion is to also take precautions after the situation to make sure that you yourself are healing properly for your body as well as for your mind because whether you were told something like Whitney was told that no one else is going to love you nobody else is going to want you 
Um, that's not fucking true. <laughs> that is the furthest thing from the truth. There is somebody out there who is going to love you for who you are, scars and all. I, so and making sure that you are mentally and emotionally prepared and healing from that situation is just as imperative as it is for you to report the situation. Absolutely. And you are going to have scars. There was a study by Zinzo Reznik and Macaulay that talks about how with victims, and I can personally attest to this, you are four times more likely to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. You are also three times more likely to deal with depression. That's completely normal. Completely normal. I am on medication. And I chime in. Both. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I am medicated for both. Um, but um, it doesn't mean you're Zach, broken. It's well, but even when I met Zach, normal. I with what I went through with my ex, with my son's well sperm donor because he's not in the picture, um, and um, and that's because he chose a different lifestyle. Um, and I decided to leave that lifestyle, but, um, with everything that I had been through, been through, I literally threw everything at Zach. I threw all the skeletons in my closet at him. I threw crazy at him. I, and I mean, when I say crazy, I mean, yelling, screaming, like I'm crazy, crazy because I didn't want somebody who couldn't handle me to try and come in my life. Testing the and boundaries is, is normal too. He has, and let's just say, we're going to be married seven years in October now. Already. So weird. And I, there are still days today, even today, when we left to go to Home Depot to buy the paint that we were getting, I told him, I feel really on edge today and I don't know why. And he still pushed buttons. I was still mad at him at some things, but he has stayed there by my side knowing everything that I've gone through, there's going to be a person out there for you, whether you're a man or a woman that has gone through something, there's going to be that person there Absolutely. that's going to want to help you fight those battles and be there for you and support you. Absolutely. There definitely is. And to just rewind it a little bit, Whitney mentioned that there's, um, that some of the scars that you can get from such an assault from a, from a physical assault or a sexual assault, um, our PTSD and depression in general. Um, these are definitely valid. And I just want, um, I just want to go over PTSD real quick because PTSD has for the last <laughs> umpteen years has, um, been kind of tagged just for military personnel. Um, but the actual, um, almost definition for PTSD is any perceived threat to life. So whether it's a car accident, whether it's a police officer, um, in the line of duty or a firefighter in a burning home or a sexual assault victim or a physical assault victim or anything any sort of perceived threat to life can very, very easily directly lead to PTSD. So please do not 
tag PTSD for specifically for military personnel. That happens to be where it pops up a lot and where it gets talked about a lot, but it is so much bigger than that. And I'm so, so don't glad- be afraid to get that diagnosis and don't be afraid to seek the appropriate measures of help. Definitely. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Kate, because at the end of the day, everyone's experiences are incredibly personal. They are unique and they are different. There is no measuring contest. What happened to me happened to me. That doesn't devalue what happened to Amber. It doesn't devalue what happens to Kate. It doesn't devalue what happened to you. We absolutely all have our own stories to tell. And we all have our own scars that we carry forward as survivors. And it doesn't matter. There's all sorts of kinds of survivors. But one is not more important than the other. And that's what you need to remember. This topic today is an incredibly heavy topic. And I know it's a very emotional topic. I'm not going to lie. We were supposed to record this show several days ago. And it got kicked like a can down the road. Um, oh my goodness. So many times. So many times. <laughs> I was not looking forward to this show at all. Nope. <laughs> not one little bit. I really, I, pardon me, didn't even want to. It's hard to talk about. It is. It's definitely hard to talk about, especially when it needs to be talked about. I got it emotional did. with my own stuff and I was listening to you girls and got emotional with your stuff. Thank goodness I was on mute. So nobody could hear me, but right, it's difficult and it's difficult for anybody to talk about and for people to listen to. And I suspect that we might get some people a little bit emotional from just the topic itself, just from their past experiences. And I hope it helps somebody. I really hope that this one helps somebody. If right. it's just one person, you know what? one person that's worth it yeah heck even for ourselves it helps or even to raise awareness for parents to talk more to their kids about it absolutely and even in that it could save a child it could save a child now it could save a child when they're older it doesn't matter yeah and that's that is what drinking mommies is i mean yeah we have drinks yeah we have fun and you know, stupid humor memes that are made by me that aren't always the most popular, but you know, we try. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All we can do is try. But when it, when it comes down to it, the, the core of drinking mommies is the community and it's talking about things that other groups might not want to talk about. We will not sugarcoat things here in our group. We will not sit there and pull party lines of Democrat or Republican or, you know, socialist or independent. That's not what this is. It's just us, our views, our opinions, and our life experiences. And they are our real life, real life. Yeah. We come Absolutely. from all backgrounds. We come from all walks of life and we will give it to you as each of us have received it. And it's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be jokes but it is important to talk about because like you said before, if it is one child that is saved, you know what? Damn it. That's, that's good enough for me. I'm good with that. 
I mean, I wish we could save every single person. I wish that we could save every female that is going through this or would be going through this or will be going through this. And I wish that we could save every male. But that's just not possible. The only thing we can do is raise awareness, continue to offer our support and continue to offer these resources that, that victims, I'm sorry, that survivors need. Definitely. That's all we can do. And we do that through conversations like this. So with that being said, to all of our listeners out there, I hope that you have taken a lot away from this show. Normally I say enjoy, but this is a topic that is really hard to swallow, especially because I know it's going to be a trigger for a lot of individuals and that's okay. It's okay because bringing some of this stuff to the surface, some of your experiences is going to make it so you can carry forward what has happened to you. Exactly. So you can heal and you can also help others. If you have anything that you would like to add to this conversation, ladies, please be sure to add it into the comment section. We would love to hear from you. And as Kate mentioned earlier in the segment, if anyone, especially during this time of social isolation, because I know domestic abuse has gone up in this time of social distancing, if there's ever a situation where you need help at home, you can reach out to any of us here and we will do everything we can to assist. As I mentioned before as well, we are going to have all of our resources available in the information section. Please do not hesitate to reach out and get the help that you need. You are not alone. We are all in this together. So thank you, Amber and Kate, for joining us tonight. It's been of a course. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm a regular here and Amber, I hope you will be too. Yes. I am on board. Woo! Hope that you join us for future shows. So and let yes. us know. Um, so I just downloaded TikTok over the quarantine and I want to totally do a TikTok podcast. <laughs> taking over TikTok. So you you let us know in the comments if that's what you want to see too. For right? sure. <laughs> Any show ideas at all will be greatly welcome in the comment section. So thank you again, ladies. Pleasure having you here with us this evening and we hope that you have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.